The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a moment with Morris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axis. Say something. <laughs> <laughs> New intro. Here with the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Where Barry and myself get together and talk about everything going on out here in his life and addressing things that not only we, as in me and Barry, but we as in everybody should be saying something about. Most definitely. Coming at you with episode 23. We about to get to 40, baby. Hitting you with that Jordan number. That is a Jordan number, huh? 23, yeah. And LeBron, man. Don't forget LeBron now. We're hitting you with that Jordan number. LeBron. <laughs> we got to get our millenniums up to speed, man. It's LeBron's number now. They don't even remember Jordan playing. Yeah. All the references, you can't help but, help but get it. He's, you know, uh, generational, though. Yeah, definitely is. You know, they, they always try to, uh, some of us a little longer in the tooth are always trying to bring our heyday up to these new kids. Y'all music ain't like our music. Y'all athletes well, ain't, ain't like our athletes. Uh, movies ain't like our movies. I think that with uh, a lot of the athletes, I probably guarantee you a majority of athletes back then would rather play right now. Damn sure for the money. For the money, for sure. Rules, uh, how the game is being played in every profession. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, medicine. The medicine yeah. and understanding the body a lot more certain players and just all of the professions again it's dealing with sports you think about if grant hill was in this era he would have probably lasted a lot longer he would have figured out what was really going on with him yeah i think the only thing where that might be a slight difference are defensive football players would probably rather have played in the older era back when dick buckus was was clotheslining Back when, you know, Mike Singletary yeah. was spearing, yeah. when Lawrence Taylor was just throwing folks down by the face mask. And he was off coke, too. Yeah, but I'm saying, but I think, uh, I, the only thing I think, I think defensive was players know why probably, he was so wild and crazy. Defensive players would probably rather be playing in that era. But all that aside, you know, new era, new day. We got to adjust, keep the uh, keep the basics intact, but, but adapt to the new stuff. Most definitely. You know, a uh, lot going on out here in the traffic. Always. Um, I just wanted to say... Uh, Shouts out to all the graduates. I just had another graduation that I came to and went and, and saw and conquered. One of my daughters, Devonna Johnson, just graduated from Long Beach State. And um, congratulations! Her. Yes, let's let yes, let's. cheer, cheer, cheers. Black girl magic, black excellence, black degrees. You know, and I, I it's a beautiful thing that that whole process, right? And I was there, of course, just to be the mental support. Uh, the guidance, but at the same time, and through her five years of going to college, I was there for every step of the way. Um, when she turned to be turned turned to AKA, when she moved from the dorms to an apartment, um, when she was thinking that she was going to drop out, it was just just every step away. So I'm very proud of her, and I just know that understanding that planting the seed, being there, supporting, and not just supporting in a way of just a hey, giving great advice, but sometimes opening up the pocketbook. Right. Yeah. You know, running a few checks and coming to visit when there's those holidays, even though I don't deal with any of those holidays, you know, they still have those holidays they celebrate. And, you know, 
with work schedule and school schedule, sometimes they can't come home with the family, going over there, supporting and just visiting and making them feel like, you know, hey, you're doing a great job and you got support. It's yeah, because they, they need that constant support and, and to check it in and, and that sense of community long past when they turn 18. Most definitely. You know, and, and that's got to be something that, that that village mentality. You have and, to practice it. And not just looking for once you turn 18, you got to get out. Get the hell out of here. But about uh, preparing them for life even before 18. Like I, I've always uh, likened parenting. If you're a parent of a, of, a, of a teenage boy or girl of a cocker spaniel or a blue jay, the job of a parent is to raise a self-sufficient, independent offspring that can survive and thrive without you. Yes, sir. So that 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 when they're before they leave your house, that they have the tools that's necessary because there's a lot of pitfalls out here to to help them slip them up and trip yes. them up. So it's about giving them the proper tools. To maneuver on their own, and then being there for the for the support when they need it, and then the pat on the back like graduations when they do well. Gotta celebrate those kind of things. Yeah. So with that being said, also, um, it's very unfortunate. I know we're gonna touch on it, but I want to say uh, rest in power to Richard Collins III. Brother would have been graduating. You know, he would have been in class in 2017, and unfortunately, due to um, white supremacists. Uh, due to this system of white supremacy that we continue to not lock these individuals up and these individuals continue to walk around lawlessly with their hate. Unfortunately, this brother didn't make that day and it hasn't really made national news. I think it's got more attention because of the fact that they actually, on the chair that he would have been in, they actually put... Um, his his gown and yeah they, they acknowledged there. his graduation yeah. it was just um, three days before his definitely, graduation yeah and and when we we always want to uh, make sure that we're not putting all white people in a box of you are racist but we have to be very clear to understand that there is racism yeah the uh Typically, I reserve the word gentleman, but I don't think it feel it applies to this guy. The the uh, defendant in this case that uh, such a young brother, he was 23, uh, went to Bowie State University, and his life was cut short on some nonsense. You know, he and his buddies were waiting for an Uber at like three in the morning, and he was approached by this guy he'd never seen before in life. Who more or less told him to get out of his way and he was even puzzled at the, at the request and before he even realized what happened a knife was plunged into his chest and you know the friends tried to help him out and even campus security came and they tried to do CPR but he died at the hospital three days before his, his graduation and from all accounts of everybody who seemed to know him or go to school with him or interact with him uh, they said he was a great guy like they said one thing when they spoke about him is this wasn't somebody who was going to potentially be a great person. They said they want let, let's just be clear and address it. He already was a great person. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, and, but when it pertains to the other type of people out there, the dude that that the defendant, uh, Sean Urbanski, the, the 22 year old University of Maryland student, he was uh, known being a part of a Facebook group that was a known white supremacist group mm. where they had anti-Semitic, anti-women, anti-Latino, anti-black rhetoric. Uh, when they looked up the site, when they got dude in custody, they said it was just disgusting and despicable the content that this dude was a part of. So, like you said, it, it's not a, a, a question of are all white people 
evil or racist. No, it's a question of uh, shining the light on the ones that are mm -hmm. and addressing their motives because they're charging dude with first and second degree murder, but they're debating on it being a hate crime. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any debate. And, uh, you know, this dude need to get what he get. And I don't know if they got the chair out there. I don't know. And, <laughs> and, and, and just when you look at the things like Dylan Roof and of course, we talked about Charles Barkley and American and race that segment I still like I said again I haven't caught on to it I just I, and I'm I've get, got some information for some of my people that follow the show that you know follow me on Facebook and they're telling me hey you know it is a deep show you know it's a good segment you need to check it out and I never know you I might go ahead and tap in and see it but I if a white person is not racist then a white person suffers from their own white privilege and when you have those things interlocked when you have motive and the motive is always to make you feel that you're superior to other individuals when your history is detailed in genocide your history is detailed in rape your history is detailed in misinformation your your history is detailed in um creating this unrealistic reality about other individuals and the lack of of empathy that you get from people that benefit from what is now America, it frustrates me that in 2017, not only do we have to have the conversation still, but we still look at black people, especially as the problem. And we are almost to blame for some of the behavior that comes from our white counterpart like literally you know it doesn't matter if you're a ceo it doesn't matter if you're a ball player you're a threat to america if you're a black person that part and the fact that they've done such a great job when every time we've tried to move forward whether it's mass incarceration whether it's redlining jim crow laws the assassination of our leadership um you know the the indictment of this this so-called drug war on the black community every time we try to navigate and we push we're met with such uh a a a, a punch of vengeance as if we've done something to them first and then are blamed at why we're in the condition that we're in as if no one knows as if any of these things that I said and plenty more has not happened. You know, that's what I think frustrates me the most that when we talk about racism, there's no accountability. When we, we talk about white privilege, there's no idea of the certain privilege that white people have. And then we always try to make it seem like it's as easy as you doing it and you're going to make it. And if we do do it, the brushback that we get, I just got done talking. I, I came back from a, a retreat in Santa Cruz after just coming uh, from L.A. You know, it's always busy. You're always making moves. And I sat to him and spoke with a black CEO and he was explaining to me how even though he's a CEO, he still looked like as the end. You know what I mean? He yeah. still looked like as the Negro. He's not looked like as the equal. He still looked like as the Negro. And he has especially the male counterparts, which are white, that always want to make it assume that they're the smartest ones in the room when usually they're not. 
Yeah, well, the narrative that's said about people is huge. And, you know, narrative that, especially if you buy into a narrative that you didn't create. If you buy into a narrative that is said about you but that wasn't created by you, that can definitely be detrimental to how you operate. And if you buy into the narrative said about other people that you don't know firsthand to be true or you don't have a real world experience to support it, you got to be careful of that stuff too. And in this country, it specifically likes to create the narrative that anything that is a non-white Christian faction in some way, shape or form is is negative. So if you're a male, if you're a non-white Christian male, that anything that that goes on, that, that you are somewhere in the mix to 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 be at fault, if it's you know, if it's race issue where you're talking about another color, if you're dealing with another religion, you know, this is a a Christian nation. And whenever there's an issue from, uh, say, a, an Islamic extremist or an Islamic terrorist group, uh, the first thing that is pointed to is that this is an issue amongst all Muslims and that all Muslims must be bad. Because if you're on this side of the world, uh, Muslims seems like, based upon a narrative of this country, that Muslims seems bad. But we never think of what this country represents to the other rest of the world. Because we never, you have to understand that if you're on the other side of the globe, this Christian nation bombed Syria. These Christian extremists bombed Afghanistan. These Christian extremists bombed Iraq. Like, we don't see it that way because that's not the perception that we have. And that's not the narrative that is spoken here. You know, we'll address an Islamic group that bombs over here and say that's Islam. But we don't think about every person America bombs is a Christian extremist to them. You know, so it's about being mindful of the narratives that are said about other people. And, and I think what goes into that is and this is in no way to give them a pass. I think that it was despicable behavior. Uh, also, uh, you know, a shout out and rest in peace. All those lives lost at that concert in Manchester in the United Kingdom yeah. uh, at the uh, Ariana Grande concert. Mm -hmm. And and why I think that that, you know, they're saying ISIS Islamic group is kind of claiming responsibility and that's furthering that narrative about Islamic groups and Islamic people. Yes, sir. And why I think I, I want to give them the nod. This is the youngest that was killed in that group was eight. Like, it, you know, it was 22 people lost their lives. Fifty nine were hurt with a. Uh, and how old was Tamir Rice again? Uh, roughly the same age. Yeah, roughly the same age. And, uh, so we're gonna go cry about that. And and, and the thing about it, I'm not being insensitive at all. Yeah. But we got henchmen killing, you know, young people every day. Yeah. And that was a uh, a nail bomb to give a perspective to what that would be in a group of people. And a nail bomb goes off, and a lot of people were actually killed in the trampling after the bomb went off. And since then. Uh, United Kingdom is is stiffening their security, that they own red alert of this Islamic threat because there's supposed to be some intel that's floating around saying that these some of these uh, extremist groups are saying that children are no longer off limits, and that anybody who represents uh, I think it's Kafur is the name, but really I think it translates to infidel. Anybody who's on the other side can get it. Is pretty much the philosophy now. You know, don't limit it to specific groups or whatever. Just anybody who plays for that team can get it. And so they're they're tightening up security, going on high alert, all that. And we as Americans uh, are are giving you know our extra support and our outcry and our Instagram posts and our Facebook profile pictures as we give nod to uh, the people over in the United Kingdom and this terrorist threat, worrying for the kids over there. 
But I pose the question, how much attention, how much support do we give to the quote unquote terrorist threat that is hurting our children over here? You know, because the children in the United States of America are under siege right now. Most definitely. You know, there there's constant take this. The young brother who was just passed, he was a, a student, a college student with a, a, a prosperous future. And he was life was cut short from a complete stranger. He didn't know. There's constant counts of. Uh, police brutality against children. The law officer in Anaheim, who they're looking about addressing charges because he uh, fired his handgun, his 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 piece at a 13-year-old. It was in the presence of a 13-year-old because he said the kid was more or less the kid was disrespectful. Yeah. And when he tried to walk off, he tried to detain him. He was yeah. an off-duty police officer and tried to snatch up a child without addressing himself. And he shot a gun off with, around children. Yeah. You know, we have constant cases of, you know, teen violence and teen access to drugs and, you know, teachers sleeping with students. Mm -hmm. It was the two cases back to back in Texas where a 27 year old teacher got impregnated by a 15 year old and a 25 year old teacher got impregnated by a 13 year old. You hear about the, uh, the teacher that got caught having sex with a student in the car? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Our, our <laughs> kids, if if. If the entire nation, the entire United Kingdom is on high alert worrying about their children now, the safety of their children from is, is, uh, an Islamic terrorist group, are you on red alert right now worried about your children from this U.S. terrorist group? Well, I think it goes deeper than just um, the children. It goes into everyone. And the funny fact is, is we could pretty much say on a lot of ways that people believe that our current president, Mr. 45, is a terrorist in a way he's pretty much terrorized certain Americans as he's been in office or before he, he got into office with all the shenanigans, with all the threats, with all the cuts. Um, so when you look at the scope of how we we take such a public and national interests on other individuals or groups or countries, we never, ever, ever look at the scope of what's going on in our backyard or our backyard. We never really pay that much close attention to it because usually it's a bunch of black faces. So why even care for them? And I think that when you look at the many henchmen that have just gotten away with terrorizing the black community, I mean, just countless uh, cases we can go through it. We'd be here all night and once something happens and I honestly think it's almost a theme. ISIS. 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 Some will argue that ISIS was funded by America, was created by America. But we won't go in there with the conspiracies or the, the, the connected dots because that's again, another part for another show and we really would have to get our hands deep, deep into that. But when you look at every time any tragedy happens, and we have countless tragedies down in Europe, America always seems to be the one with the golden baton to say we will stand for justice and freedom and liberation and we won't stand for terrorist acts. But then you look at our scope of what's happened in just the last five years, you are wondering like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Who are we really fooling? <laughs> like, are, are our kids really that safe? When you, again, I say it, and I and I have to be an idiot 
to think that these kids are just able to get these guns because they're just, you know, just just laying around on the streets before they can sit there and get a job. That to me is is just is stressful because how is that possible? How do our kids have so much access to these military style weapons? We're not talking about little handguns. We're talking about military style weapons. Yeah, the, the the idea and realistically the concept is the same. You were correct in that most of the leaders globally were either put in place directly or co-signed by the United States government. Like if you go back from bin Laden to Hassan Hussein to Noriega to uh, anybody, anybody that we sit there and say that, oh, that's the guy. We know that's the guy because we put the guy there. And when it comes to those types of practices by terrorist groups where you're going after kids, where you're hurting people, where you're shooting people. We do that here. We're the same nation that will sit there and say we won't stand for terrorism against, you know, men, women and children. So we need to go over and bomb you because you were bombing your people while we're the same people who were giving infants and, and, and adolescents poison water through their tap and telling them to bathe in urine colored water, which is deteriorating their skin and leading to all causes of lead cancer and lead poisoning, i.e. Flint, Michigan. There's no profile Facebook picture for pray for Flint, Michigan. You know, because we don't have a narrative that says that 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 that's wrong. We'll sit there and say that, you know, oh, man, we need to we need to go over there and address these people in Syria because the treatment of those people by, quote unquote, those people, those people is is something that's deplorable. And we can't have that on our watch. Meanwhile, in this nation, uh, constant, constant, constant cuts to the educational system. You know, the the multi-billion dollar federal cuts to the school programs Uh. nationwide, which is going to have children with antiquated uh, resources, textbooks that aren't up to code, uh, cutting staffing, doubling up among class loads. So you're going to school programs across the board. So you're going to say we need to go into these other areas. We need to we need to uproot this regime because they're not giving a promising future to their young people. Yet you come back here and we're doing the same. Yeah. You know, we need to go over there and address who's in charge because of the mistreatment that they have for their women. Mm -hmm. Yet you look at how women are treated here. Wow. Making roughly 60 cents, 60 (laughs) cents to the dollar. Uh, You know, Where, where, where you have to with the women, the protection of the women, black girls and Latino girls can go missing and no one really makes a big ruckus about it you have white males in positions of power where you will pay 13 million dollars just to keep them in pocket until finally the backlash is so much you then let it go i mean it's totally ridiculous man. so i mean when we start talking about the the these deadly regimes across the planet these groups that are terrorizing their people these groups that are starving their people these groups that are ignoring their people but yet when we go we may not be gassing our children Mm -hmm. like they do in other places but poisoning them through the tap water to me we're talking same thing to me yeah you know when we will sit there and throw our infants and our elderly in a place of no no kind of recovery 
You know, we incarcerate more people in this nation than any other place on the planet. Uh Though we are by far not the most populated nation on this planet. And then you got to look at when you have to see. I saw one of the most troubling things. And I saw a lot of troubling things when I was in L.A. But one of the most troubling things I've seen in quite a while was this single father. Early in the evening, his four kids was just, you know, stationed on a sidewalk, kind of down the street from my hotel by LAX. I saw them in the evening. Then I saw them in the morning in a different area. And he was just, you know, had his little umbrella because it was pretty hot. And his four kids just were playing. So they had been sleeping outside or whatever place they could find refuge. Like, this is their home base. Yeah. Like, that to me is just as disturbing as seeing a mother and her single children. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and her, her being out there without any help. When we look at how we are trying to be these global ambassadors, setting the agenda to what peace looks like, setting the agenda to what uh, harmony looks like and how you're supposed to treat fellow man, woman and child. Like we get an F minus because we don't practice what we preach. I think the fact with America, we love the picture that we've painted a lot more than actually painting the picture because the picture that they paint you would think that it's there but in the reality this is what we have and this is what you see you have tent cities in every city you have homelessness not only for the adults but for the children you have uh, drugs coming from god knows where in our streets in the hands of our young kids you have weapons of mass destruction not only with weapons of that are bombs and guns but a cell phone that has deteriorated the minds of our children you have a lack of truth <laughs> you know being centered around the education that creates a lot of our kids to feel inferior and not believe in themselves because they look at it like well this is my path and then you have the golden truth that America is truly about. If you don't got it rich, you don't got it at all. And that's the golden truth. If you don't got it rich, you don't got it all. Because more and more, we're seeing the gap between poor and rich. You're either poor or you're rich. Yeah, because across the nation, if you, well, not even nation, globally, so when we address other nations that are, quote unquote, in the wrong, whether it be the way they treat their people, whether it be their position, whatever, uh, basically it's because most of those are uh, dictatorship type type places where it's, it's a shot caller and I'm taking care of me and my people and everybody else can kick rocks. Well, the fact that well, this is a capitalist society, it changes the game that everybody believes that they could potentially be a somebody. So when you have a nation that is built upon, I get mine, now you get yours. Gotta get mine. You gotta get yours. You can end up where the degrees of corruption, the degrees of, of exploitation and manipulation, 
of just outright just wrongness. It can can run rampant through it's where you have why young kids have access to military grade uh, firepower. It's the same reason why we sell it to other nations. It's for the dollar. You know, if you put that stuff out there in the streets and start making your transactions, there's a big picture that for that community that's suited around money. It's the same reason why you've got kids with access to, to high grade pharmaceuticals. You know, it, it, these kids are getting D's in, in chemistry, yet they're getting access to everything that they need to manufacture synthetic opiates across the nation. Like these aren't kids who just figured this out one day while they were trolling through Instagram and all of a sudden somebody posted a formula and they all just copied and pasted and started screenshotted it and started duplicating it. You know, there are some people higher up who are doing this to your children. There are some people higher up who are putting this in these communities. The same reason why you can get your hands on drugs is the same way you can get your hands on guns. If we were another nation. We would be a regime that had to be stopped. Like if 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 this was the same practices, the poisoning of our people, the belittling of our women, the mass incarceration of the people, the the police state, which goes on uh, on so many levels, the miseducation and misinformation and, and and lack of funding for not only medicine, but for books amongst our infants and our elderly. If this was going on anywhere else in the world. Not only would we have a meme and a, and a profile pic for those poor people, but we would demand that some changes be made and that those people be stopped. No, most definitely. But the fact is that this is how we live and we've become so numb to the practices because that's the way we do it. And that's not the narrative that we say about how we get down. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll be real quick to say what those folks over there do. Uh-huh. But we we just uh, it's a blind eye to how we move over here. Yeah. You know, when it comes to what goes on in your city, it's uh, that's not my problem. But yet we're the same people that say you know, we need to pray for those folks over there. <laughs> we need to be there for those people over there. Yes, sir. You know, it, you, may God bless all those people who were hurt in this city as you step over the homeless man and his starving child. And we are still in a fight about pushing certain individuals out of the country about building a certain infrastructure Mm -hmm. to stop others from coming in this country and then we have the audacity to talk about (laughs) other countries and this ISIS that comes from nowhere and always when it happens always takes the blame yeah I mean when you and and the the thing is is ISIS at this stage of the game is almost what the Bloods and Crips are in America. That these are just like any city you go to, any major city in America, there's Bloods and Crips. Yes, sir. Who have absolutely nothing to do with the original onset or if it's an original inception. Uh-huh. We just go on, one person moved here and just started up a group and they kind of do their own thing. And, and that's where a lot of stuff happens. Like we, we just attach everything and call it these different groups. We, we have all these narratives about how we see things going on. But all I'm saying is, is that as we worry about the international terrorism, and I take nothing away from anybody who's fallen victim to any of those plights. Not at all. If, if your nation of origin, where your grandma's from, your parents from, you had to flee from, or people you know, or people you don't know, 
who were getting bombed and mistreated and abused, the women being raped, the children being forced into to high labor situations or even into the military as young as six, seven, eight years old. I My heart goes out to those people. And I recognize that those are atrocities where those people live. But I also recognize there are atrocities where I live. Exactly. And I also recognize that there are ways and things that are done in this country that need to be addressed with the same degree of passion, with the same degree of efficiency and the same degree of 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 emotion, the emotional outcry for our people here like we do for people other places. And it's not. And that's the illest thing, the most frustrating thing about how it all spins around, like how all of a sudden we're in an uproar about this. But we're not outraged about that. <laughs> I, I just it's but it's always been the thing. As you talked about the Bloods and the Crips, it's it was it's almost like that old school uh, thought that a black person did it. You know what I'm saying? Or blame it on the black person. So, of course, even if it wasn't ISIS, it was going to be ISIS because it's just that formula now. Right. Yeah. Muslims are, are just everywhere. And then just ruling the world. Then it helps create the rhetoric that Trump is pushing, the propaganda that he's uh, trying to pose on the American people and especially his supporters who at this time, with all the clear things that he's doing that's going to affect their lives shortly, it's going to still get them to still say, but we want them out of our country. And when we say our country... Our country, this country does not belong to you if you cannot recognize the people that it belonged to first. And that becomes the white privilege that I discuss. That becomes the things that we talk about on an everyday basis. And as we say, we have to say something about, we have to clearly look at that privilege of really believing that you were the all great creator of this country. And that's so false. I think that part of this is, is that, and speaking on, like I said, the narrative of the white Christian male, because it's not necessarily white people, because when you start moving higher up on the the uh, status pecking order, women start getting knocked down with everybody else. Yeah. So this misconception, if you are a Caucasian woman, that you think that when you get to the mountaintop, that you are viewed as equal to white men. Yeah, Hillary Clinton found that out. Yeah, you're going to learn the hard way that that ain't the case. So when they start addressing these, these narratives about how stuff is, I think a lot of it is, is that. Uh, they don't care. It's a capitalist society. It's uh, it's mine because I took it. <laughs> it, it. It's it's mine because it's mine. Like like I don't. It's not mine because I borrowed it. It's mine because I took it. Like I think this is a a, a a way to put it. Do you know why they call Native Americans Indians? Why? Because when when uh, Columbus and the boys when when those first pilgrims or settlers huh. got here, they believed that the people that they saw were Indians like India. Indians. Ah. Now, here's the cold piece, and this will let you know where that privilege comes in and why the level of disrespect that goes the way that th- this society works. So it was established that I think you guys, oh, I thought you guys were Indians, so I'm calling you Indians. We're not Indians. Well, I'm going to call you Indians anyway. <laughs> like, I recognize I'm not where I thought I was, and I recognize you're not who I thought you were. Yes. That's like if I came across a family of Mexicans. And I said, hey, man, look, this is my Puerto Rican homie, Jose. Huh? I'm not Puerto Rican. I'm Mexican. Yeah. Eh, this is my Puerto Rican <laughs> friend, Jose. I'm going to call you Puerto Rican anyway. Yeah. And from now on, you're Puerto Rican. Yeah. Like that level of disrespect, 
Like that level of because I can is the blueprint for the United States of America. Like if you really wanted to put something. And it's a, and it's a very scary, scary kind of attitude to have. It is. But I think if you truly wanted to put what America's really built on, on the Statue of Liberty, because I can is really how this country gets down. I'm going to. As we say, say something. They're saying because I can. Because I can. Why do why do you incarcerate who you feel like incarcerating because as I opposed can. to who, who's committing the crimes? Because, because I, can. I can. When there's an overwhelming number of every statistical category that is done by the United States Justice Department on the majority of drug trafficking and drug use in this nation, it is done by Caucasian males. But yet the no, the overwhelming number of people who are incarcerated for are drug trafficking and drug males. abuse are black males. Why do you lock up more black males for a crime that is perpetuated by five times more likely by a Caucasian male? Because, because I, I can. can. <laughs> Why do you pay women so substantially less for a job that they statistically do not only as well but better than men? Because, because I, I can. can. The most, uh, the, the the highest number of advanced degrees that are coming out of any university in America are black women. Black women are earning more advanced degrees than any other group. That's more than Asian males, than white males, than Hispanic males, than Asian females, than anybody. No one gets more advanced degrees in the United States of America than black males, but they are paid substantially less than all of their counterparts. Why? Because, because I, I can. can. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this, the school districts that are cut where all the funding goes for after school programs in areas where it is proven that they are beneficial, but yet are not, uh, but are the first to get cut in areas that need it the most? Because, because I, I can. can. <laughs> like, it, 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 the reason why this country, why did you poison so many people in a town and, and refuse? There's no recovery. There's been no change. You got people drinking piss colored water for the last three years, bathing in something, getting cancer and lead poisoning. Why? Because, because I, I can. can. Why did you go back on the Native American oil pipeline where you had this big protest and what everybody looked the other way? You put some deals back in place to get back to digging and already had uh, oil spill across these Native American lands and people being poisoned. Because, because I, I can. can. That is the American dream, ladies and gentlemen. Because I can. <laughs> because I can. So when we talk about these narratives that are said about other people and other cultures of other faiths and how they getting down where they are and they need to be stopped and they need to be moved, we just might want to look in this U.S. backyard a little bit closer and worry about the people that are here. Because our children are, are, are catching hell. Talk, oh, yeah. about, talk about the drug that's going through. We, we talked about it briefly a little while back, but I don't know if we addressed it on the on the, the podcast. And this is more so of a public service announcement. There's a drug Not that, Nancy Reagan style, right? Nah, there's a drug that's flowing through the US like crazy called fentanyl. Uh -huh. They think that's the Prince was on. And uh it, it's a synthetic opiate. Opiates are huge right now. Yeah. Mainly used by Caucasians, men and women, and mm -hmm. children. It's it's the same drug that Vicodin, Oxycontin, morphine is. It's it's that line. It's an opiate, but it's synthetic. It's fifty to hundred times more more potent, and it's readily accessible and easy easy for these kids to get their hands on. They sling it through high schools. Uh, this is something that's that's making its way through the nation, but not really publicized like it should because of its demographic. You know, it's Caucasian heroin. And opiate use is a white crime. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's who's mainly doing it. Right. Black folks typically don't shoot up heroin. No. That's just not really our thing. We don't sell it typically. Uh, uh, we have, we've had our moments. But that's not, we, that's not our go-to. Uh. We, we, we was never the black tar kingpins.
not, no, not statistically. Like, who's doing it well, more? Who's doing it more, but we've had some major players that was playing in the game. So. Yeah, but every major player was a third-tier player on the team for who was moving it. Yeah. Because when we were shipping it in... Uh, but it, you got to remember, they always are going to put the, the, the black hat on the black guy and create it as he was the one... That was the hero and kingpin. I get that. You know. And why this is so important and why saying something about not only for our child's safety, but watching how this is going to play out. Yeah. Mark this, this podcast when you hear it on your calendar because they just had the 95% cuts to the anti-drug uh, task force. And this is a synthetic opiate, meaning this is not something that you need to fly in plane after plane, you know, and deal with Escobar anymore. This is some lab shit. Mm. <laughs> so this stuff is going to be made by a certain group of people but trafficked by another mm. you know so these are the dirty games that this nation does yeah. you know so when we start looking at what these, these deadly regimes the, these terrorist groups yeah, I, 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 let's look at the practices of how we do things here Americans have been full on terrorists for a long time ago they've terrorized the black community they continue to terrorize the black community we don't even need to go through the the shells upon shells of books that we have on how the system has been in the black in the ass of the black man and the black woman. We don't even have to go. I don't even think we have to detail it because yeah. it's the facts. But the funny thing about it is when you talk about these things, people will act like they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like the FBI. Am I correct? Was the FBI or the CIA? Hoover was the FBI, right? The uh, CIA. J. Edgar Hoover was the CIA, I believe. CIA Central had a Intelligence Agency. Full scale attack on black leadership in the earlier days when black power was on the come up. Yeah. Right? This was a full scale attack. Then you turn around with um, Reaganomics, you turn around with Nixon war on drugs. You get you you and then, even, even and then, up, well before you even got to uh Reaganomics you go back to, to Lyndon B. Johnson, who came in to divide the family. There you go. Lyndon B. Johnson. Got to find you. Can't just folks, though, about Lyndon B. If you didn't know, he was the one that, that implemented mm-hmm. that if a woman was to be on any form of state assistance, any kind of welfare, government uh, aid, she had to kick her man out the house. Yeah. But that only applied to black women who had to kick their, their man out the house. That was the onset of separating the family. Yeah. Go on. And so then you, you, you go into... Our good friend Bill Clinton, and you know Slick he played Willie, it. What they yeah, call oh man, Slicky Slicky Willie, and he had the saxophone. He played it nice, and I mean he was at the Razorback games, and you know you really felt he was on Arsenio. But he did not have sexual relations with that woman. And he was getting some head at the Oval <laughs> Office, so we were like, "Hooray, that is my president all day," and he didn't inhale. So the whole thing was like, "That's my guy," and he. And his wife, a.k.a. Miss Super Predator, created what we now deal with, the mass incarceration, the uh, the three strikes law. That is, if you if the black community wasn't damaged, wasn't on uh, life support, then that was the over. That was the haymaker. That was the haymaker that put us in critical. Yeah. Right there. The, The mandatory minimum sentencing. So we have these things. Constantly, I mean, constantly shaking 
a community, individuals that are just trying to lift themselves up out the cave. And this is not a pours me. This is I dare any community, any other culture besides black to have all this stuff on them on a regular. Yeah. And see how you come up out of that. And before folks start to get the whole, uh, my group was this, my group was that. We're talking about a continued channel well, that don't stop. But that's that's the point. There are people who will say that, well, my family, Hell when they yeah. came over, and it was like that for 20 years. Yeah. It was like that for five yeah. years. It was like that for 17. It was like that for 22. We're talking trap after trap after trap We're after talking trap. centuries. Oh. So, so just because there's folks who like to get their arms up and that well, my, oh, father, my father came over from this and he didn't speak the language. Yes, but there were no systemic laws put on the books for the sole purpose of stopping your grandfather from from prospering. Yes, sir. There were no Irish laws on the books. And there are things right now in certain communities here in diverse California that says in the paperwork and in, in the deeds about selling to color folk because it was written so long ago and that's why i say where people are gung-ho about constitutions and people are gung-ho about um pledge allegiance some of that stuff got to change man sometimes you got to go back uh, reanalyze it and say this does not fit for the times that we are in right now and say we got to change some wording we got to get some more people in the room because that constitution was not built in the name of black people. No, it was. We hold it these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, while every single last person who signed was a slave owner. <laughs> and you do it all. Okay, hold on. Let's back up for a second. Okay. That's the problem. I think a lot of black people just have. Because yeah. they even will fall back into Constitution, Memorial Days, and uh, Independence Days, yeah. and argue back the fact of this and that. And I had an argument with a friend about the Constitution, and I said, yo, that stuff was not written with us being the people. Yeah, We weren't even considered a, a three-fifths of a man or a woman. Yeah. We were considered cattle. Like we were enslaved at that time. Yeah. So how are we going to get stake? They're talking about themselves. And see, when you can't or refuse to right a wrong, it continues to bring its ugly head back up again. So that's why, though, my heart goes out to what happens in other countries. You know, when Syria got bombed, you know, what's what happened at the concert? I say, damn, that's messed up. But we just had at least three or four cops go free for killing unarmed black folk. We continue to ask questions that we're not getting answers about Flint, Michigan. We have young people that are just trying to survive for the basic essentials yeah. that are killing each other just to keep a, a, a little food on their table and a roof over their head. And then every program that exists to kind of stabilize or get people a head start, not even a head start, but just a moment of clarification on, yes, 
I, 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 I'm in a tight jam right now, but I have some help to get myself back together again. Yeah. Slicing, dicing, and pushing it away. And all you see is, again, the gap between the poor and the rich get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, the, the looking at where, where people address what the Constitution means, something that's important for the United States of America, it's a nation of laws. And why that matters is, is because regardless of what somebody tells you on TV or how they talk to you, you know, on the street, it's a nation of laws. What's written in black and white is, is how this works. So where we as a people need to get together, we need those those constitutional lawyers. We need those people who, who, are, who are challenging these different points and amendments, those people who are getting together, saying this needs to be addressed. This needs to be changed. This needs to be all, like we used to do. Yeah. There was a time period, the third good marshals and all them who used to sit there and say, no, nah, we need no, nah, we need to go back to this. We, we need to address this. This needs to be looked at. This needs to be changed. We've gotten away from that. Like when, when you don't address the law. The actual letter of the law, how stuff operates, you, you, you're, you're banking on somebody's feelings that day. You're hoping somebody's feeling a little compassionate today. Uh-huh. You know, uh, as for how we've been moving and, and, and operating, like just keeping it just for what we need to do, you know, understanding what it is. You know, like we you talk about, you know, that this constitution, this nation was not built with our prosperity in mind. Not at all. The fact is, is that black people who prosper in America is not because this nation is given so many opportunities. It's in spite of this nation's history. Most definitely. You know, black people are prospering in spite of the atrocities that have happened, in spite of the hurdles and complications, in spite of the vicious and malicious attacks, blatant racism, murder, rapes, abuse of power, resources, finances across the board. We are not doing well because somebody was being nice. We're doing well because we persevered through a bunch of but, BS. But, 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 but hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, what? Let, hold on real quick. Go ahead. They don't want to hear that. Well, well, <laughs> well, the problem is is that the reason why that, that narrative is so important for us, forget what they feel, forget what anybody else thinks about us. Why that's important for us is because we now have a generation that doesn't know that. Yeah. They're under the belief that nah America got my back. Yeah. That I just got I just I just got done talking to a twenty three year old and he was oblivious to like the Black Wall Street story. But go ahead. Yeah. So if you grow up under the narrative that 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 because I can applies to me, mm-hmm. that, that 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 umbrella of how things move and operate is looking out for me, you lose that bite. Yeah. Like you lose that fight. You lose that dog in you. You lose that that ambition, that drive of now on any given day, some BS might hit my doorstep. So I have to constantly stay prepared. I have to be the best version of myself. I have to work with the community that I've got. I've got to invest economically, socially, educationally. I've got to be inclined to be plugged in to my people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But because we've removed the narrative of all of the things that have happened to us as a people, our young people now don't have the chip on their shoulder that they need. They said the reason why immigrants do well when they come here is because they haven't bought into the American ideology. Well, and I also think that as well, because I've talked to them, there's just such a um, cultural barrier and language barrier that it's almost like it forces them. To get on this shit. Yeah. Well, if you come over here from somebody else, you don't come over believing that somebody's got you. 
You come over believing that this is this is a place where it's possible to prosper. And what we do is we are believing we the fact to prosper. Well, and I and I and I figure and I expect, but also believing, and we'll beg for the rights. Like that's the problem that I feel that we have. We are more or less saying, hey, at the end of the day, huh? Don't really like this. But I'll beg you 10 times over, hoping that you'll change your mind. Instead of saying, I get it. Like, how many times do Negroes need to get it? Like, what point do we see that history has proven to repeat itself time after time after time? And then we go forth saying separation is the best solution. And that's not saying, again, we're not dealing with anybody, but the way you deal with someone, you deal with someone on a equal basis, meaning that you got yours, I got mine, and now let's go ahead and see where we can okay. work in between. And agree with that. And so something that whenever I explain to people, one of the jobs I've done over the years has done some consultation work for businesses okay. and people who are coming up who are trying to do something. I said the first thing where most people go wrong in business is that they don't show up with value. Like they don't bring value to the table. Yeah. They show up with their handout talking about, can you help me? Yeah. Like, what can, can you help me? I'm trying to get this off the ground. Can, can you help me out with some money? Can you help me out with an opportunity? Can you can you cut me a break? But they bring no value to the table. So the person who they're talking to is, um, once again, unless they're just feeling nice that day, has no reason to do anything for them. Yes. We show up in this society, a capitalist system with zero value. We don't. We show up on the. Come, hook me up. Help me out. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't practice group economics. We don't monetize what we do. Uh -huh. Like we don't. We're, we're not power players and what's going on. So when you uh -huh. show up to the table with your handout, you get what somebody feels like giving you. Yeah. When you, when you circle your wagons, get your stuff together, and now bring something to the table. That's how you get leverage. Yes. You bring value to the table and you can barter across the board like I you have this that I need. This is what I have that I can offer to you and we can actually have a dialogue and go back and forth. When you come with with your pockets turned out, you know, and shoulder shrugs staring at the ceiling, you can get whatever somebody feels like giving you. that. Exactly. Time. And that's why when we talk about it, about the cuts that Trump is looking to do. Yeah. How many? How much? How much was that? Uh, ten point six billion. Some I know, and just in after-school programs alone. But they're talking about close to eight hundred billion when it comes to overall medical research, development, care systems, and all that stuff, because they want to divert that money to the defense and to border control. And so then, when you create the propaganda, you create the because we've seen it before, yeah. the the fear factor. And, yeah. Okay, we're going to get bombed, and we're, it's going to happen to us. Yeah, we're the next target, so this is what we have to do. And then we give up all our rights, and we say do whatever to protect us, because mm -hmm. Americans are so in fear yeah. um, of what is to come. Yes, the inevitable, right? You then have a situation to where, when you look at all of this, this this constant current, this constant wave, you're trying to tell me that it's best for black America to wait on someone to decide you know what them 500 or some years we treated you guys like shit you guys are right yeah like finally they're going to wake up from all of the police murder finally they're going to wake up from all of the mass incarceration finally they're going to wake up for all the carnage all the disabling in our community finally they're going to say you know what 
we do have a problem because we had a lot to do to initiate the cause of what your issue is currently. We honestly believe that's going to happen. The fool's gold that we go for is honestly thinking a system cares for people that it oppressed, for people that they felt were inferior, were people that they, excuse me, made to feel inferior, but knew they were superior because they understood what we was worth. We don't know what we're worth. So in general, I've always said the only way you defeat a system is create your own system. And that's why black folks need to be more in the turn of how can we collectively create systems, mass systems, because without a mass amount of systems, when we talk about mass, we're looking at white folks got mass communication, right? Yeah. Mass education. Mass incarceration. You know, everything yeah. is in mass. Yeah. You know, uh, mass uh, media outlets. Yeah. What do we have in mass? Nothing. Okay, we have nothing in we mass. We have mass victimhood. <laughs> we got that in bulk. And it's not. And it's not. It's Costco style on that. And it's not to make light or fun, but it's like, come on, guys. Well, like, hear us out and understand that when you have viable, when you're viable and you have value. When you have value in self, when you come to the table, like the NBA player, you're 6'8", you're 240, and you got a wicked jump shot. Guess what? There is value to you. I'll do whatever you need me to do to put you in a place of success because I know you're going to create me more money. And we need to start looking at the value of who we are. We built this country. They came to our country and took us enslaved us because they saw everything they needed to see and say, yo, these are the people that can create our own dynasty. Well, I, I think to get a, a big picture viewpoint of, of where we are in the system, the structure of this nation, let's just say worst case scenario, there's the big world war. Oh. And if China took over the United States or if a Middle Eastern faction took over the United States oh. or North Korea took over the United States. All would potentially be better situations for black people. Why say that? Because please, let me, please break that down. Because none of those nations have a history shared like we do. Like there was a gentleman who was addressing he was a Chinese Chinese gentleman. And he was addressing uh, while he was trying to get his people in position here. They were there, and so he was addressing and said, "Well, you know, you guys came over, and you, you know, you, you're getting your foothold in business. Like, how do you how do you get on over here? Like, how do how are you guys working?" He said, "Our job is simple. He said, we come over and we create a product that we know is viable in this market, that's better than our Caucasian counterparts version, and we become in demand, and that's how we get leverage and we move forward." He said, "You know, we get ourselves in position enough, you know, raise our get our paper up." And put ourselves in position. That's how we will gradually take over and dominate. That was his goal. He said, well, what about other groups here? He said, we're not worried about other groups. He said, well, what about black people here? He said, I'm not worried about black people. He said, black people are going to follow whoever's in charge. Wow. He said, so w whether it be us or whether it be them, referring to white people, yeah. he said, black people are just going to fall in line with whomever. When you start talking about other groups across the planet, when they refer to the the the, the beast that is America, yes, sir. they're not referring to black people. Not at all. Because most of them are are they're more frustrated with black people that so many of us keep buying into this system. Yes. You know, Asian nations mainly look down upon black people for, for classist reasons, uh -huh. but don't share the history. Not at all. You know, that degree of I hate you uh -huh. which is there which is present in a lot of Caucasian 
isn't present in Middle Easterners, present in, in Indian, present in Asian, present in Latin America. It's not present there. Uh -huh. So if any other group came in, worst case scenario, we're in the same boat we're in now. Wow. And, and, and it could hard, and it could possibly be that. Be, it, it, and it could be a slight bit better because those other groups don't come with the hatred. They look at us as, are, can you help? Can you make my situation better? Can you get on board with what we're doing? If you can, fine. You know, like I've said before, and I said it in joking, but I thought it would be true. The way that, that black people are treated in America, black people specifically, you would think that if you were of the other group, because you can't send us back. No. Let, let's just put that out there. No. You can't send us back. If one of these other groups came with that and said, look, we recognize your history. We recognize the way you've been treated. You can either side with us or stay the way that you are. The mentality should really be, is the enemy of my enemy my friend? Uh. You get one of these Islamic terrorist groups that really get enough numbers up and start hollering at black people on that level? Look, we want to throw overthrow this whole system. <laughs> like we, we're here, to, we're here to topple the American system, the but American you know, structure. But, but, but now I know a lot of us are so plugged in. No, Negroes would not. This would be the time. See, I think. The Negro is always trying to show daddy they belong yeah. and show daddy we got their back. The Negro would run around and and tell daddy the exact same plan. Negroes ain't ready to get off the plantation. Black people would set up Middle Easterners like they set up, like oh, we set ourselves well, up. Yeah, why not? All, sure. all those slave revolt, revolts that got snitched we, out. Because even in the, in the plight of Colin Kaepernick taking his stand, how was it just Negroes just saying... You know what? It's not about the flag right now. It's just about black people. Forget the flag. Negroes had to argue the fact. Had the Negro sat there and took a knee all throughout the NFL, it wouldn't be a story of the foul rule of what, what, radical Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. It would have been a story about the violence that black America suffers in the root of white supremacy and racism. So these kind of things, when you look at it, we don't take stands like that no more. And we don't want to get out of this system that we're so used to. It's almost like taking a child away from their mother. You know what I'm saying? From, especially when the mother is breastfeeding. That, that That's not happening. You know, so we've got so used to being given or being told by daddy daycare that another group tell us, hey, come ride with us, man, not possible, no way, couldn't happen. <laughs> I, I I think that'd be interesting. I, I think that we have to start paying attention to what goes on in our own backyard. We have a really great ability to assess what somebody else is doing in their household, how dirty their windows are, how their grass isn't cut, or or how they need uh to do a little tighten up the paint job. But when it comes to our own house, we have all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we can't find our glasses. Yeah. And so I think that when we start noticing these things that are going on and we find ourselves having this energy that we want to direct to these other nations and these other people. And that's amazing to have that compassion and that empathy for any lost soul anywhere on this planet. But you might want to just take the moment to ask myself, ask yourself, ask your people. When I see these atrocities happening at home, do I have that same degree of concern or do I pick and choose who I have empathy and compassion for? 
So when we see these things out here that we acknowledge, that we think about and that we, we see play out and that we, you know, think that we need to give a head nod, give a new profile pic or or send on Instagram. Don't be afraid to say something too. Yes, sir. <laughs> say something podcast. Barry, where can folks find you social media wise? Uh, Barry Axius Facebook, Barry Axius Twitter and of course, Team Void Instagram, blackblueprintswithaz.com. Get your Black Blueprint apparel. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform, it is at J Morris CEO. It's been Say Something Podcast with Barry Axius. Yes, sir. And myself, Jermaine Morris. And until next show, we'll holler at you later. Indeed.